Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Welcome. Great to, uh, great to have you. As I mentioned, as um, Reach said, if we haven't had the uh, privilege of meeting you, uh, my name is Marty, and uh, it's a great honor to be here. Um, as we uh, mentioned, we were away last week, um, but our uh, lead pastors, Miles and Bonnie Palladin, say a big hello to you all. Um, they're looking to be over here later in the year, uh, which will be exciting. And so we heard you had a, a phenomenal Sunday last week. Uh, powerful worship, great connection together, um, amazing message from uh, Chris on the fall, so good. Yeah, we can cheer that, so good. Even if you weren't here, clap, pretend like you were, and then we'll never know. It'll be great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, come on. Yeah, so good. Oh, yeah, it was so good. It was so good. Um, amazing to... Uh, Amazing to be able to do that, and so we've been in our series in the uh, in the lead up to Easter, uh, and it's called "As It Is in Heaven." And so, uh, like Rach uh, talked about, we're excited about Easter, excited about praying and believing for our friends and family, our our work colleagues to um, to come to Christ. You know, um, quick uh, quick testimony. I was uh, thinking about Easter and. Um, I uh, think about someone that I used to work with, um, and I really wanted to invite uh, this person to Easter. But you know, when you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe just this, it'd be a little bit awkward if I just contacted him about, hey, just come. And then I'm like, okay, come on, God. Like, sure, there's an opportunity here. And would you believe this week? Um, Something happened. I got a phone call. And so I know that I'm going to see this person like the Wednesday before Easter now because uh, there's a meeting. I'm just like, come on, like he's going to come. His family's going to come. God, you're opening a door of opportunity. And I want to encourage you all that God wants to open doors of opportunity for you as you, as you step out in faith, as you pray for others, as you believe to invite people at Easter to see them, see them come and find Christ because we have good news. And that's what our whole series has been about, the good news of the gospel. And um, so week one, we started with, with creation because creation is good news. We, we understand that you didn't just accidentally turn up, but God created you. He formed you in His image. Yes, even you and you and you and you and me. We are all created in the image of God. And because we're created in God's image, we're also owned. And so God is our designer. He is the one who understands, just like the designer of anything understands the best use of the you know device, so to speak. God as creator, understands you because he designed you on purpose with a purpose. And uh, when, we, when we honor God and we follow him, um, the, we, the Bible talks about, talks about this in terms of life and death, that as we follow his ways, they lead to life. The, the ways of the world lead to death, but the ways of God always lead to life, a flourishing life. And so we were created in the image of God, we were designed to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the start of the good news. It's the start of the gospel, that you're created by God. And then, and then second, as Chris spoke about uh, last week, the next big point in human history, which occurred only two chapters over in Genesis 3, uh, the fall. And so we defined last week's sin as missing the mark. So much like an archer may miss the target, that's what sin is. It's missing the mark. I, I remember back in the day uh, when, when I was in youth, 
So that was, you know, a fair few years ago now. And um, we, went to, we went to archery as a youth event. Um, you probably wouldn't do that now. Um, you know, no risk assessments required, you know, back in the good old days. Oh, did I say good? Sorry, I didn't mean that. Just back in the, back in the old days. Anyway, needless to say, youth ministry at archery, there was a lot of missing the mark, uh, both the targets and probably with sin as well. But anyway, we won't, we won't go there. But there, there, there's, that's what sin is. It's missing the mark. And Chris showed us that last week we try to, we try to uh, hide and cover ourselves by our good deeds. But even though humanity was undone by a tree, it was also redeemed by a tree. That is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so in our, in our timeline, in our story, that brings us to, uh, to week three. And we're speaking about this word uh, called redemption. Redemption. Now, uh, I know Chris mentioned this a bit last week, and um, we were we were talking in the lead up because um, I was pre- preparing the same topic to preach at Hills. He was preparing the same topic to preach, and we're like, "How do we do the fall and then talk about redemption and don't steal all of week three's material?" Do you know what I mean? Because we're we're not a church where we go where we speak about the fall. All right, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and mic drop. That's it. You know, like, no altar call, come back next week for redemption. You know, there's nothing, nothing. So obviously, we covered a bit of this last week. Um, but what we want to do today is I want to talk about the solution. I, I don't know about you. I'm sure you're probably the same. But, um, but I love solutions. Like, you know, complainers, whingers, do they just grate you a little bit? You can nod your head. It's all right. It's like, congratulations, you pointed out a problem. Thank you so much. That helps about 0%. What we want is we want solutions. Okay, how do we fix whatever is going on, whether that's in work, family, business, wherever it is? Come on, let's give us some solutions. Let's fix this thing. And so it doesn't take a genius to work out that our world is messed up. It's in need of some fixing. Now, I'm not preaching doom and gloom, but the reality is that the world needs a solution. Why do we need a solution? Because I know that I need a solution. We need a way back. We need to find a way back. And it's, it's funny if you look around every story that you might find out in the world, it's all about a way back. How, how do we find redemption? Are there any Star Wars fans here? Uh, a couple, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to spoil week two of Mandalorian for you. It's like, okay, he has to go and bathe in the waters under the mines of Mandor for redemption. Some of you are like, I don't care. But this is, this is my whole point here, is that everything in this world is all about how, how do we get back? We know something's messed up. Where is the solution? How do we step into something that improves where we are. And so all around us, there's people, there's corporations, there's education systems, there's political parties. They're all saying, hey, we have the solution. Listen to us. We have the solution. Listen to us. And so um, I, I want to show you, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to show you this, um, this chart that I came across. I know some of you are like, oh, man, he's getting a chart out. Look out. But all the, all the nerds are like, chart, let's go. Come on. Come on. So anyway, I want to show you this chart that I came across from this podcast that I listened to. And, and what, it, what it does, some of you are reading already going, dear Lord, let him not spend too long on this. But it'll be short, I promise. But what it does is it sets up a little bit of a, um, a framework for how different people understand the world 
and then therefore understand ourselves. Now these aren't, notice they're very general, I'll, I'll read through them in, in a second. These aren't what a specific you know, political party or a specific individual or a specific corporation says, but as we go through these, I hope that underneath them, you will see how these impact our lives and how for many times, these are the solutions that the world is presenting to us. Now, there may be some technical terms on here you're not used to, but don't be put off by those. First one on your left here is what's called hedonistic. So that just means pleasure. Okay, it says that the purpose of life is that life is pleasure. What, 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 what is sin? Well, sin is anything that stops you from feeling good. You know, I, I, just, want, I just want good vibes. So I'm going to live my whole life looking for good vibes. And, and I don't want to be discomforted. I don't want to be challenged. It, it's, all about, it's all about pleasure. So this type of thinking says that life is pleasure, that, that sin is preventing pleasure. It defines the world as a playground. The world is there for you to enjoy. And that a flourishing life is to have the maximum experiences and maximum pleasure. It's like, okay, what is the new restaurant I need to go to? What is the new holiday destination I haven't been to yet? And all those things are great. They're not bad. But this, for so many, is the driving force behind how they view the world. The world is all for self-pleasure. Um, and the world is there to be a conduit to make me feel better. The attitude towards faith is that, well, faith is too moral because there's all those rules and things and, you know, it, it, it comes against us and we, you know, we can't have pleasure. And then I ask the question, what's the solution? Well, the solution is just chill out. You know, less rules, more pleasure. If it doesn't hurt anyone, just do it. You know, like experience the world. Say yes to your desires. Look inside. You know, what is your heart telling you to do? You know, freedom is what you need just to do whatever you want. This is the solution to our problem. Let's just go for pleasure. Now, I'm sure we can all identify this type of thinking. It's the whatever you do, just make sure you're having a good time when you're doing it. We've all seen that around. We've all, we, we've all experienced that. We've probably all aimed our life at that at a certain time as well. So that's one frame of thinking. The next frame of thinking, along in my chart, I'm feeling like a, a nerd here, is what's called moralistic. So it says the purpose of life is to do good. Well, what is, so, so, so what is wrong with the world? What is sin then? Well, it's oppression that comes from ignorance, and so what is the world that we live in? It's a, it's a good place ruined. And it says that the world is good, but ignorant people create ignorant structures that creates oppression. And that's the, that's the problem with the world. What's its attitude to faith? Well, it says that the church is immoral because the world has decided that it defines what's right and what's wrong, not God, and that God is on the wrong side of history. Sorry, God, we've worked out how the rules work. We've decided for, we've decided for and this is what it is. And then its solution to the world's problems is this, is virtuous education. Let's just inform everyone through education what this new moral code is and how we live in that. And if we do that, then hopefully the world will slide towards a you know, utopian sort of future and we'll make sure that we enforce these new rules through cancel culture, through you know, forced participation in moral programs and initiatives and you know, just, just follow the new rules that we've set out and this is, this is what it is. Who, who's seen this before? This is, this is, this is everywhere. 
in our culture. The third one is this. I'll move quickly. Therapeutic. What does it say the purpose of life is? The purpose of life is just to feel peace. What is sin? Was anything that causes me mental or emotional discomfort and pain. If I'm not at peace, then there must be something wrong out here because the world is a dangerous place. It's filled with pain and trauma and discomfort. And so what it does is it seeks a smaller world where you don't feel those things. What's this attitude towards faith in the church? Well, it can be acceptable when used as a tool for personal peace. As long as, long as it helps me. As long as it helps how I feel, as long, as long as it don't challenge me, just make me feel a little bit more peaceful, and then that will be good. Last one there, uh, nihilistic, which is just a word that means that it's a, it's a thinking that means that, you know, life is meaning, meaningless, it's extreme pessimism. What's the purpose of life? Well, it says just feel nothing. What about pleasure? Well, that's hard to get and doesn't come, so, you know, it also doesn't cover pain. So do good, what's the point? Feel peace, I'll never do that. Better just to feel nothing. I'll just numb myself. What, what, what is sin? Well, it says it sins everywhere. It's everything. It permeates everything. So it's a reality. The world's a disaster. Faith is corrupt because everything else is. And the solution to the moral failings of the world is to just escape. You know, retreat into games or alternate realities. You know, escape somehow. It's depressing out there, so I'm just going to curl up in a ball and just shut myself off because it's too hard. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I get it. We can move the chart now because we've all nerded out for a second. It's okay. You might be thinking, okay, I get it. I can identify these different types of frameworks and maybe some people or things that you watch or messages that are beamed out. But what what does God say? What does God say the gospel stories? What is the solution? How, do, how does God fit on a nerdy chart like that? Well, well, we covered this already because what is the purpose of life? Well, God created us, and He created us to uh, glorify Him. He created us to enjoy Him forever. We, we, we defined last week uh, through Chris what is sin. We talked about it already. It's missing the mark. It's living outside of God's plan for your life. But what's the solution? What's the solution? Romans 5, let's turn here. Romans 5, verses 15 to 17. Romans 5 here, let me just take a moment. It's going to compare uh, the first Adam, so Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam, who, Adam and Eve who messed up. It's going to compare Adam to Jesus. It does that all through Romans 5, and it says this from verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You see, the solution is Jesus. 
The solution is that God came down. He didn't expect us to come to Him, but God sent Jesus Christ, it says in the Bible, in the likeness of sinful flesh. That doesn't mean that Jesus sinned. In fact, He was perfect and sinless, but He came and lived as you and I do. Not only did he do that, but he lived in obscurity. This, this messes my brain every time. He lived in obscurity for 30 years. Like just, I, I know if we've been in church for a while, we just normally skim over that part. But just think for a second. The Son of God, the Son of God came and he's like, I'm here to save the world. And Father's like, great, you're doing nothing for 30 years. So good. Oh no, you're doing, you're doing a couple of things, you know, turning up the temple when, when you were young. But then after that, there's nothing there's nothing. This amazing man, amazing son of God, Jesus came for us. He had the same temptations. He lived in the same world that was messed up. And yet through his obedience to Father God, he paid the price for us. That's what redemption means. It means that there was a price that needed to be paid. That is what Jesus did on the cross. But like we talked about, the world tries to the world tries to, to give out solutions to the problem. Like we talked about just before, you know, freedom will fix that. You know, whatever the problem is, just, just do what you desire. Go for pleasure and enjoy life. Uh, another one says, no, 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 we need to do better. You know, come on, do better. Now that we've come up with this list of rules to follow together and we're going to beat everyone to, to, to make those decisions that way, we're just going to move this amazing future together. That's what the world says. Still another says, well, we'll just be safe. The world's scary and cold, so go, what, go for whatever gives you peace. And then another's like, we'll just hide. You know, let's, let's dig a bunker. Um, let's move out east somewhere. You know, let's, um, let's push into a different reality because it's just too scary where we are now. But God's solution is so much different. Come on, God's solution is so much better. The passage that we read, like I said, it compares Adam to Jesus. It shows that God's gift of Jesus, accepting him, and relying on him is the only solution to the problem. You see, the first Adam, right at the start, we talked about this before. Chris spoke about this last week. He fell to the idea of the serpent that he could be like God. Later in Genesis, this is Genesis 11 verse 4. I may have forgotten to put this in the notes, so it might not be up there. Uh, this, is, this is what's known as the Tower of Babel. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Once again, mankind was trying to be like God, was trying to be like God. You see, Adam and therefore us, all of us as a whole, we've always been grasping for equality with God. We've always been grasping to, to be like God, to be in control. Yet, yet, look at this. This is what the Bible describes Jesus as. This is Philippians 2. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is, the, uh, that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, where Adam and therefore us in disobedience tried to be like God, 
Jesus, in obedience, let go of equality with God and God has honoured him. You see, when we empty ourselves of our God complex, his grace can fill us. And then in Jesus Christ, as, as we read before in Romans 5, where it said, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. You see, what's the solution? The solution is to release control and allow Jesus into your life. Not just once, even though the first time, I'm going to tell you, is so significant. The first time the Bible says it moves us from death to life. It takes us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That first decision to follow Christ is so, is so important. It, it, it cancels the penalty of sin over our lives. But as we accept him, as we accept him each and every day, as we daily release control and allow Jesus, what that does is that breaks the power of sin over our lives, the power of sin over lives. That, that's how you live in triumph over sin and death, like we, like we just read. Other versions say reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Our author Greg Gilbert says this, faith is not believing in something you can't prove, as so many people defined it. It is, biblically speaking, reliance. The question is, will we rely on God? Will we rely on God? And so I want, I want to encourage you here this morning, if you're here and you've never made a decision for Christ, we're going to do that in a few moments. We're going to hear a testimony uh, from allocation pastor in Melbourne Bronson in, in a moment about how Jesus transformed his life from a young age. But, but maybe you're here and, and you have made that decision before. I, I, I want to encourage you this morning. I, I, I want you to think about, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to your life like Rach shared uh, at, the, at the end of worship there, that God wants to come and He wants to speak to us. And, and I want to challenge you, what are some of the areas where you're currently trying to grasp and control and be like God? And what is God calling us to? He's calling us to let go of those and release those. Maybe, maybe it's as a parent. Maybe you're worried about your child's future, whatever age. Maybe you're not sure the path they'll take. And so instead of releasing control to God through prayer and reliance on Him, you're, you're fearful, you're worried, you're maybe being a little bit controlling as a parent. Why? Because you're grasping for control, but God has called you to pray. God has called you to release control to Him. Maybe, maybe it's at work for you. Maybe, you, you, you know, you just really, this season at the moment, you just really need to make it at work, you know, to provide for your family and get ahead. And all, all those are noble tasks. All those are important things. But something in your heart has shifted over to being self-reliant. You're consumed with work and consumed with showing that you're valuable to the organization. You've, you've dropped prayer, but you've picked up stress and longer hours. You've, you've let go of God's Word, but stretched yourself across multiple projects. You know, we all have busy seasons and trying times, but this is more than this. Maybe there's somewhere there where you need to release control and say, God, I'm going to place my reliance on you. I'm going to place my trust with you. I'm not going to try and grab hold of something that is not mine and let go of the things of you. Maybe, maybe you're here as a young person and maybe you're struggling to find your place at, at work or, or uni or school to, to fit in. 
you know what God defines as right and wrong, as, as life and death, but it just seems so hard when none of your friends are taking that same path. So, you, so you're, you're compromising your standards and you're, you're grasping to be like others and grasping to fit in. Can I say God has called us to release control of that. He's called us to put our faith and our trust and our reliance on Him. You know, as we release whatever's going on in our lives to God, He comes and He fills us with His presence. That's what Jesus did. Remember the verse we just read where He emptied Himself? Now, I want to encourage you, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It doesn't mean that we just sit around and say, God, I release control, so you know what? I'm not going to go to work. I'm calling in sick today and tomorrow. And the boss said, if I'm not in on Friday, don't bother coming in on Monday. Yes, four-day weekend, let's go. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that we do anything like that, but what it does mean is we stop trying to work it out in our own strength, that we understand that, God, we trust you. Yeah, we work hard. Yes, we're integral. Yes, we're intelligent. Yes, we do all those things, but God, ultimately, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. Whatever I'm facing right now, I'm not taking it on board like some heavy pack on my back, but God, I'm going to release it to you. Because his desire is that we live with, in triumph with him today. And as we do that, he redeems us. He, he, he comes in and fills us with his presence and his power. I'd love you to look to the screen right now. I'm going to show you uh, this great story from our location, Pastor Bronson in Melbourne. Thanks, Beck. My story. My story, my story begins when I was about three or four years of age where my parents separated and my twin brother went to live with my dad and I went and lived with my mum. And fast forward about five, six years, I'm now about eight or nine years of age and my mum comes to me and she says, uh, Bronson, I'm going to send you to go live with your dad. Now, I hardly knew my dad. I had no real recollections of my earlier childhood when I was living with him. I spent maybe one summer uh, holiday over Christmas with my dad and my brother and his wife, but I didn't know him at all. So I didn't really grasp what was occurring. I didn't really understand what was happening until the day came where I waved goodbye to the only family I'd ever known and I hopped in the car and drove off with this brand new family. In the weeks and the months that followed, I quickly came to grasp what was occurring. I quickly understood what had happened. I was now living in a brand new family. And on the outside, I looked happy. On the outside, I was laughing and I was joyful and I looked, I looked good. But on the inside, I was very sad. And I remember for weeks and months after leaving my mum, I would cry myself to sleep every night in bed. And my parents never knew and my brother never knew until I was much older. I, I, I told them those things. I just couldn't understand why did someone who loved me, my mum, why would someone, the person who's supposed to love you the most, send you to go and live with a person you don't even know? And I had really strong feelings of abandonment and betrayal and I felt unloved and unwanted. I felt like I was cast off. I didn't realise at the time that those feelings of abandonment and resentment would turn into bitterness and that's what happened. They turned into bitterness and re resentment towards my mum in my teenage years and even as a young adult I felt those feelings towards her. I didn't know that what happened to me as a 10 year old was actually God working in my life and it sounds strange to say that but God was doing something and what I thought was something bad, God was turning into something. 
I didn't realise that the future that I had in the home that I grew up in as a young uh, toddler and young child was a place of violence and drugs and substance abuse, was a place of depression and was really a place of no future, no hope. And God was taking me from that place. He was redeeming me. He was saving me. See, God's not just interested in saving our eternity. He wants to save. He wants to step into our world here right now on earth. And he was stepping in to save me from that future and to give me a new future. My dad and my new mum were pastors, brand new pastors of a new church in Melbourne called Sunshine Christian Outreach Centre. And it was in my new family that I experienced love, that I experienced acceptance, that I experienced a, a peace that I'd never ever felt before, even as a young person. And it was through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that what happened to me at 10 happened. At the time, I wasn't thankful, but now I see it through the lens of time, through the lens of God's redeeming and saving grace, through the Holy Spirit leading, I believe now, and prompting my mother to send me to live with my dad. I see now how God was acting at that time in my life. I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't have the character traits and the, the values Today, if I had not grown up underneath my dad, his strong Christian godly influence, I wouldn't be the, the person that I am today without the encouragement of my mum, my new mum, who I now call mum, her encouragement in my life so many times over the years. I wouldn't have the fantastic wife and the, the, the beautiful children that I have today. I wouldn't be the pastor of Elevation Melbourne West if God hadn't intercepted my life at the age of 10. Take me from one path, redeem me, save me, and set me on a new path. And so I praise God every day. What happened 35 years ago to me, I didn't understand at the time. I was confused. But now I say, God, I thank you. I praise you always for that day. I praise you always continually now in my life, at the age I am now, for your grace, your saving power, and your redemption. Amazing. What a, what a story, hey? You know, this morning as we, look to, as we look to wrap up, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're here and you, you need to make that first decision to follow Christ. Maybe, like Chris shared last week, you've been trying to hide from God or maybe you've tried some of the world's world solutions. You've been pushing in to just you know, enjoy life, just pleasure, whatever, surely that'll, 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 that'll fix it. Or maybe, maybe just going for, okay, I, I just, need, just need peace. I just need to, you know, cocoon myself off from whatever trials going on. Can, can I tell you, can I lovingly share with you that the only solution is to, is to find Christ? The only solution. And, and, you know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he doesn't uh, make you work for it that God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to this earth for you. And so right across this place, I'd love you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here and you've never made that decision before, or, or, or maybe for you, you have made it, maybe a long time ago, maybe as a child, maybe as whatever. Maybe a young person here and you've been raised coming to church but you've never found that moment for yourself. Maybe today is that moment right here for you. 
you'd like to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand where you are? I'll see your hand. You can put it back down. And then we're going to pray together. We're not going to pull you out the front or embarrass you, but we do want to create a moment. Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Is there somewhere, someone else who wants to join this young person to make this decision to follow Christ? Come on. We thank you right now, Jesus. We thank you right now, Lord. Church, let's pray this prayer together. I'd love you to pray it out loud after me. Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I let go of every other solution and I take a hold of Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Amen. So good.